Good afternoon, congregation. Welcome to our worship service. We would like to welcome our visitors who are worshiping with us today and those who are following along online. We pray that we may be blessed as we worship the Lord together. Uh, the congregation reminded that, again, this afternoon offering will be for the work of the deacons among the needy, both locally and abroad. There will be a consistory meeting tomorrow evening at 7.30. We again welcome Reverend James Law, pastor of the Smithers Canadian Reformed Church, to lead a worship service this afternoon. Good afternoon. All those who are able, could you please stand? This afternoon we hear God's call to worship out of Revelation 7, verse 12, where it says, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Congregation, from where does our help come? Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Receive also God's greeting, grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before His throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let us now lift up our hearts to praise God and sing Psalm 149, verses 1 and 2.
Let us now seek the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and merciful Father, we thank you and praise you that we are given the freedom and the opportunity to gather together once more on this day that not only fill our morning but also our afternoon with praise and worship so that this truly can be a day of rest and a day in which we can glorify you and praise you in worship. And Father, we come before you this afternoon thanking you for your goodness and grace in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can also know you and understand you. That we also recognize, Lord, that we, we cannot know you and and understand you in every way, but that we can know you in the way that you have revealed yourself to us. And Lord, as we turn to your word this afternoon also to to learn about you, to confess your holy name, and to acknowledge you as triune God, we, we pray for your blessing and Holy Spirit, for these are these are wonderful things that we consider and, and think about and confess. And Lord, as we, we consider you as triune God, we pray that you will give us a rich measure of your Spirit working in our hearts. Fill us, Lord, with, with, with awe and wonder at the, the meaning of your triune name as you want us to know you. And, and Lord, will you grant us wisdom and understanding? Will you grant to us also strength and, and grant us trust in you? We pray to keep us from distraction and, and that which causes us to, to lose our train of thoughts. We pray that, that you will also guard us in this way. Father, all these things we pray not because we are worthy of them, but we do so according to your promise and command, and and we ask you to to so bless us for the glory of your name alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this afternoon in preparation for the ministry of the Word, we will read two selections from the New Testament. The first one is John 15. So let's turn first of all then to John 15 and read verses 1 through 17. So our first scripture reading is John 15. Beginning at verse 1, this is God's Word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the Word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch 
can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. And then the second passage we read is coming from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians chapter 13, where we read the verses 11 to 14, and in the the Blue Pew Bible, that would be page 823, 823, 2 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 11. Where we read, finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So far, the reading of God's Word. In response to the reading and also in preparation for the ministry of the Word, we will sing now together from Psalm 115, the verses 1, 5, and 6.
This afternoon, I may preach to you God's holy word as we find it summarized and confessed in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 8. So let's read together Lord's Day 8 from the Catechism. That's page 524 in the back of the Book of Praise. So the first question is, how are these articles divided? And you will note that that's a reference to question and answer 23, where you have listed there the Apostles' Creed, or also known as the 12 articles of the Christian faith. How are these articles divided into three parts? And again, you can see the three parts there in answer 23. The first is about God the Father and our creation. The second is about God the Son and our redemption. And the third about God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. And then question and answer 25. Since there is only one God, why do you speak of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because God has so revealed Himself in His Word that these three distinct persons are the one true eternal God. Beloved in the Lord Jesus, it is the Bible, God's holy word, the Scriptures, that reveals Himself, God's, God Himself, as a one in three and a three in one God. Now we admit that this is a mystery. It is an intricate, holy concept and almost, we would say, too sacred to discuss. We are indeed inclined to say that these things are too great for us. They are impossible to understand. They are beyond our comprehension. And as a result, would rather not think about it. And yet, in humility and humbleness, we must seek to learn more about this three-in-one, one-in-three God. Why? Because this almost indescribable God has an almost indescribable blessing that is found within His name, that is found within the knowledge of the Trinity. That is to say, God has revealed Himself as a three-in-one God and that has everything to do with us. Notice how the Catechism makes this connection to the doctrine of the Trinity and us. It says very clearly that we confess God as Father and our creation. And we confess God as Son and our redemption. And we confess God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. 
Three times our is repeated. God is our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sanctifier. Answer 24 is connecting each person of the Trinity, each name of the Trinity, to His specific acts and works for our lives. So we have to consider this. God has revealed Himself so for our benefit. Yes, God has revealed Himself as triune God. He he tells us something about Himself as triune God for our faith and for our benefit. Now we must only speak of these things as the Bible tells us about them. We must consider these things in holy reverence because God has, is being revealed. And yet, we acknowledge what we keep simple is yet a fabulous blessing and treasure for God's people. And that's how we'll summarize the message. That's what we'll focus on this afternoon. The triple treasure of the Trinity. That's the title of this message. The triple treasure of the Trinity. We see first of all God the Father's treasure, then God the Son's, and then God the Holy Spirit's. So first then, we consider God the Father's treasure. So what, what the name God the Father means to us and what God has revealed in His Word about that name. Well, our catechism puts it clearly. God has revealed Himself as the Father that is Creator. The Bible teaches in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. That in six days He made everything we see and even all the things we don't see. And so many thousands of years later, even though our knowledge of intricate tiny things has increased many fold, and our understanding of very big things has multiplied beyond number, still we confess we don't know or understand even half of it. Yet everything that we learn about creation, and then I'm talking about the facts that are supported by Scripture, then we attribute that to God the Father. He is the Creator of it all. He's the Creator of the universe and of our world and of our lives, even our individual lives. God sustains everything as well so that nothing happens by chance. He governs the natural laws and enables us to function every day, even the things that happen out of the ordinary. Even the things that we acknowledge can be difficult or tragic, we confess, are all ordained by Him. Now, as we noted, answer 24 ties God the Father, the Creator, not only to creation, but It calls it our creation. That is, 
It is telling us of the direct connection that the first person of the Trinity, the Father, has with our lives. The same Almighty God who has created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them is our Father too. He has created all this for us. His special creature. And especially that which which we experience. So the sun and the clouds and the sky, the landscape and vegetation, the animals, the rivers, the lakes, the mountains, the prairies, the oceans, our own lives beginning in our mother's wombs. God the Father has made all these things and many more for us to enjoy and to use. It all comes from His creative and providential work. He is the creator and sustainer of it all and the provider of our life. Now this is, important, this is particularly important in light of what else God has revealed concerning His fatherhood. And that is His electing love and grace. As God has created all things, He has also ordained the recreation of all things, and especially of His elect. Through His sovereign grace, that is, we can be born again and become children of God. That's what John was writing about in our reading, or rather you could say was recording what the Lord Jesus was teaching That God is the gardener and He causes us by His electing grace to abide in Jesus Christ. That is, He grafts us into the vine of Christ through faith so that nothing can separate us from His love. Beloved, recreation is the powerful and almighty work of God the Father who gives us life, not only physical, but spiritual life. And notice, if the Almighty Creator God is our own Father, that makes His creation also ours. That is, He gives this world as our possession. He entrusts it to us. He calls us to be faithful stewards with it. And we will inherit it as His gift to us. In 1 Corinthians 3, the verses 21 to 23, we read, All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Beloved, if God is our Father, as His children, we become part owners of this world. Now, it is so that in today's society and and in today's culture, that we can come to the conclusion that this creation belongs to the power grabbers of this world. But our confession this afternoon teaches us otherwise. No, it belongs to us. This world 
is rightfully the possession of the children of God. And that's amazing to know and confess, given that some Christians own next to nothing, have very few possessions, hold only a little bit of the world's property and prosperity. Whereas, conversely, it appears that wealthy people possess and run this world, living in castles and mansions, having all the world's treasures and pleasures, it seems, at their disposal, holding on to the toys and joys of this life. And yet, the Bible teaches us, the earth is God the Father's. And God the Father is Christ's. And all that belongs to the Father's is Christ's. And Christ is ours. Someday, beloved, at the end of time, it will come to light dramatically who really are the masters and owners of this creation. It is the possession of the sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father in Christ. And that's what we'll now focus on in the second point. God the Son's treasure. God the Son, we confess in our catechism, is the Redeemer. He is the Deliverer. The Bible reveals that He is first of all the eternal Son of God, who is without beginning and end of days. The Bible says He is and was with the Father before the world was made, and that all things were made through Him. And yet, there was something else. And that is also one of the main reasons we have the Bible, to learn this, something else. That there was more for God the Son to do, according to the divine works of the Trinity. The Scriptures declare that the Son of God gave up His glory in heaven and His position as the eternal Son of God at least recognized as such, in order to become man. And so the Bible teaches that He was born of the Virgin Mary, that He took upon Himself our flesh. Yes, He remained God, but His divinity became hidden in His humanity, especially at first. Later in His ministry, He revealed some more of that divinity and that power and in many ways, showing that He was not merely man, but also the Son of God. But why did He do this? Why did He become man? Because He needed to, in order to be our Redeemer, yet to die on the cross, to bear the shame of, of God's people. He had to endure the curse of the Heavenly Father and the weight of the sins of the whole world. And more, having given up His life and death, in divine power He had to rise again from the dead. He had to become victor over Satan, sin and death. Therefore the Catechism shows in answer 24 that the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, 
has a direct connection to our life. He is our Redeemer. He is the King of our deliverance. And when we believe in Him as God and man, then we will be redeemed from all our sins. He will save us from sin, from guilt, from hell, from death. As our readings indicate, God graciously gives us life in Christ's name. We're grafted into Christ the vine. And His gifts become ours as we abide in Him. Through Him we live and have our being. Through Him we are renewed unto eternal life, becoming fruitful for His kingdom. No, we are not delivered fully from this life in the full sense of the word. The fullness of our redemption and deliverance is still coming. In some sense, we look at it from a distance. There is those who have gone before us, who have received more. But even so, it is still at a distance. And yet, we believe, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, we are delivered from the grip and control of sin. Yes, sin still messes up our lives from time to time. Sin is still there. Satan is still there, crouching at the door. We might even be able to testify of this, of something that has happened even today. But the truth is, we can confess we are no longer under sin's control and dominion. Satan, though he makes it frustratingly difficult for us some days, is no longer our master. We are not his slave anymore. Even death itself, through Christ, has been transformed from being a one-way trapdoor to the bottomless pit to becoming the doorway at the top of a life's long staircase and entrance into eternal life. Beloved, through the work of the triune God, the second person of the Trinity, we have been delivered and redeemed. We were like prisoners who were incarcerated by sin, and yet we have been set free. We are like hostages who have been kidnapped by terrorists and day after day have no hope that we will be freed or we are tortured and beheaded, we have escaped. We've been freed. We've been redeemed. That means to live. As prisoners set free or as a hostage that has been freed, we can joyfully live for God. Yes, we will be 
overjoyed with emotion, such that we can hardly speak or laugh, but only weep. So it is, knowing our redemption, we weep with joy before the Lord. Beloved, if we want to belong, or if we belong to Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, by faith, then you may know assuredly that you have been set free. Not for a week. Not for a month. Not for several years. But for eternity. Christ has delivered us from sin, guilt, and death. Oh, what a treasure the second person of the Trinity gives us in our redemption. We've been set free such that we can also already now begin to live for God. And that's our third point. God the Holy Spirit's treasure. We confess that He, the Holy Spirit, is our sanctification. Well, what does that mean? That means the Spirit's task in the Trinity is to make us holy. His work is a cleansing process. The process of making someone holy and consecrated to the Lord. Or as our reading teaches, although not saying it directly, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we come to faith. And we bear much good fruit for God and His kingdom. And then one day, when we go to heaven or to the new earth, we will be completely sanctified. Renewed. Here on earth, before Christ's return, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to make us holier, to get to that destination. And that is an ongoing process in the lives of a true believer. That day by day, the Holy Spirit is cleansing us. Making us as Christians more and more pure. So that we can also confess that it is not good to stay the same. That no Christian ought to stay the same year after year. But that there ought to be change. That is the task of the Spirit. He is to be at work inside of us doing His holy thing for our faith. Or our faith is dead. And how does He do that? How does the Holy Spirit cleanse us? He doesn't use soap and water, but He uses fire. That's where the word Purify actually comes from. It's, it's from the Greek word for fire. And on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit revealed Himself as such in the symbol of fire. And He has been using His purifying fire ever since. That is, the manner in which He worked is like that of fire. He's like a cutting torch inside of us. He works like a man 
burning away leaves and dead grass in the spring. Daily the Spirit is burning away something of our waywardness, purifying us from our filthiness, cauterizing our iniquities, and cutting out our malignancies. Daily, He's eliminating portions of our selfishness and melting away our pride and and burning away the small tumors of dark desires. The Holy Spirit is always at work to make us more forgiving, more compassionate, more Christ-like. By day and night, He goes about the task of making holy those who are in Jesus Christ. That's the blessing of confessing the Holy Spirit. That's the gift, the treasure of the Holy Spirit. That's what we should long for and pray for and through the means of grace, seek. And that, beloved, in conclusion, is the triple blessing of the triune God, the triple treasure of the triune God. It is given to us like God gives us an extra long treasure chest so that when we open the lid, we see there three compartments, each one filled to capacity with the treasury of gifts, each one just as great as the other, each one packed full of spiritual gold and jewels and riches. Of course, we do not pretend to understand it all. It truly is beyond our comprehension. And yet God's Word teaches us that these gifts God is giving to us. God the Father gives us the treasure of His creation. And He calls it ours. Gives us the treasure of recreation making us, adopting us to be His children. And God the Son gives us the treasure of deliverance and redemption, making us His so that we share all that Christ has accomplished. And finally, God the Holy Spirit gives us the treasury of sanctification. He is at work to make us holy, to purify us, to renew us, and grant us new life. Oh, what a treasure to confess the triune God. For what more, brothers and sisters, could we ask for? What more do we want than what God gives us and is represented by His triune name? Amen. Let us now respond in song. We will sing together hymn 3, verses 1 and 2.
says in Romans 10, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the Scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Brothers and sisters, let us now express that trust in our triune God by singing together the Apostles' Creed as it is uh, found in Hymn 1. opportunity to give up your thank offerings to the Lord in a collection for the deacons as together we can minister to the needy whom the Lord has entrusted to our care. And after the giving of our gifts, let us sing together our praise to God from whom all blessings flow as we sing hymn 8.
will now go before the Lord in prayer. In our prayer this afternoon, we will remember Rick and Wendy Beisiter. Rick's aunt recently passed away. And also, Wendy's sister-in-law passed away this last week. So let us together bring this family as they grieve before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for revealing yourself in your word to us for our benefit and for our knowledge, so that we might know you and to glorify you all the more as we understand your glorious grace and goodness and all your works. We thank you that we may know that you are our Father, that you have adopted us as your children and heirs, that you have created us and that you will provide for us all that we need for body and soul. We thank you that you have revealed yourself as Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God who who came down to this world, our world, which was broken due to sin and condemned to hell, that Jesus Christ was born taking upon Himself our flesh, living our lives, being obedient for us and our righteousness, for dying on the cross for our sins, for rising again, having power over sin, and that He is the resurrection from the dead, the firstborn of the dead, the first of many who will rise again who now also rules over all things for us. And thank You for revealing to us that You are the Holy Spirit, the the giver and renewer of life. That it is the Holy Spirit who, who is sent forth from the Father and the Son to work faith in the hearts of the elect. And to bring renewal and rebirth in our lives so that more and more we can die to sin and flee from it and and live new lives to Your glory. We thank You that we can obey You and and please You with with our lives. And it is our earnest prayer, Lord, that more and more we may experience the Holy Spirit's treasure in us and in our lives. And that it is more and more evident as well as we bear fruit for your kingdom. Father, what a what a great and wonderful gift that we have in the knowledge of your triune name and, and all that it means for us. What a comfort we can experience also in times of grief. And Lord, will you also be with Rick and Wendy Beisiter and provide for them and surround them with the comfort of your promises. And teach them to trust in You always. And Lord, as, as they experience their loss, we pray that they may also experience the fullness and the blessing of, of Your gifts and goodness for our lives and for the life to come. Father, may we all be comforted by You day by day as we understand and, and grow in knowledge of 
who you are and what you mean for us. Bless us in this week ahead. Will you bless us in our labors? Will you bless us in our fellowship? Will you keep us safe in travel? And Lord, keep us in your ways. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the close of our worship, let us now stand and sing together from hymn 6. Hymn 6, praise God most high, you servants of the Lord. Praise His great name and of His glory sing. That's hymn 6. We'll sing both verses. Blessing of the Lord and go in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.